The following program is a work of fiction and falsehood that is not meant to be interpreted as actual fact. The views expressed in this program are not necessarily those of the broadcaster or the management thereof. This program deals with morbid themes and grotesque humor. Listener discretion is advised. Glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is EurekaCast, now, where science meets technology meets you. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Meadowlark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Sciences. Hello there, Rowan. Hello, and greetings from our orchard of learning this evening. Uh, and I sure hope it blooms in the same way. Uh, you know, Rowan, I don't know how you celebrate this season. Uh, some some think of it as a, as a particularly scary time of year, one that uh, harkens to death and, and and dismalness. I like to think of it as a as a very fun time of year. Do you get into the into the spoo in, in, into the scary season, uh, Rowan? Well, I I I'm have to agree with you. I don't think it's very uh, spooky of a season mm. as such because it's about spirits and the spirit world and the interactions that we have with the spirit world. So. If anything, it's really more of a season for greater productivity here at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science because the readings we get this around this time of year are just so much better, so much clearer. The signal comes through the noise so much more. Not scary. Mm, you, you're saying you have a you have a closer tie to the to the spirit realm, if you will. There are a number of entities that. The, the uh, ability for entities to come through and uh, make themselves apparent around this time of year is greatly enhanced. So, mm. in a way, yes. Well, un unfortunately, here at the Tech Brothers Laboratories, uh, despite us having some of the best, highest quality sensors and uh, experimental procedures known to science today, we cannot actually pick up any spirits with, with, our, uh, with our technology. And that's why new media laboratories and robotics laboratories have to team up every single year to put on the lab of the scientifically scary. Well, perhaps you haven't been looking in the right place. Uh, you know, your sensors can only be so good, but if you're not paying homage to the entities and and massaging them in their own specific ways, they're not going to make themselves apparent. But oh, We are certainly paying homage to the entities. We are understanding... With these laboratories, with these with these uh, haunted laboratory events, we are understanding what truly terrifies people, and and we use a combination of media and robotic elements to uh, deck our horror labs uh, for this un unforgettable experience 
every single year. So um, are you allowing individuals into your labs as such in a sort of haunted house scenario? What does that mean when you bring horror to people through well, these, uh, these the, research? The horror labs is a sort of a simulation laboratory that was built in an abandoned cornfield in mm. northern Chicago. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we don't actually let anybody inside of our laboratories, but we are we have uh, been conducting beta events on our horror labs this year. I, I just love the experience of testing out our horror methods. Uh, you want to hear some of the interesting stuff that we learned this year? Absolutely. Oh, I'd love to people. hear that. I'd love to hear that. Well, uh, we realized that peep people, and this is something we've known for a while, but how we actually capitalize on this, it's been a, a matter of debate. Uh, a person will often see, scare themselves more than we really can expect to with robotics and, and media and, and things like that. Um, so what we need to do, and what we have done even more, is we analyze and we utilize what the person is thinking uh, in their own state of mind to be able to, to sort of, uh, through methods of suggestion, get them to think that their worst fears are nothing to compare to what's to come. Well, that is certainly an excellent way to uh, uh, put a sense of apprehension and dread in an individual. Do you have any? Do you have any examples, perhaps, of um, wh who are you testing this on? What? What? What's? Is this exclusively for uh, Tech Brothers employees that you've been testing well, this on? Employees, or? their families. Uh, we we get a. Uh, what we often find is that the things that scare adults are not the same things. Th same things that scare children. Um, and we've been able to test these these effects on, on children as young as two or three, um, and that's super fun uh, uh, sometimes to just just to see the variety there. Um, but but one example is uh, some people are very afraid of spiders, obviously. Yes. Um, and it's these, ignorant. It's um it's it's silly. Sure. But it's and, childish. Right. Um, it's disrespectful. But some people sure. are. Right. Well, what we do it's is embarrassing. It's um yes. It's it's um ignorant. Uh, I I would I could I could agree, Rowan. Anyway, what we do is we we take spiders. Obviously, spiders in any location. Unfortunately, although people are afraid of spiders, what we see is that people are more afraid thinking of and imagining all the different situations of spiders than actually interacting with spiders in any realistic way. Well, of course, if people sat down and had a interaction with a spider that was more than sur surface level, they might realize there's so much wisdom in those eight legs. Right. So what we do is we introduce the idea that the, I don't know, whether it's a pool of spiders or whether it's spiders coming out of a person's clothes or whatever truly terrifies them most, which we gain through things like surveys and analysis of how people act as they walk into the, to the horror laboratories. Um, and and we take that information and we suggest to them that such a thing is in fact on the horizon that it is coming that this horrifying pool of spiders or whatever is is just beyond the next corner and what we do is apprehensively they will inevitably turn the corner and what we show them is not the pool of spiders we show them something that is incomprehensibly worse than the pool of spiders just purely based on the the fact that it is it is sort of almost destroying the pool of spiders we show them themselves as the pool of spiders 
when we get into this technical mumbo jumbo, it's a, it's a little hard to convey. But you know, rest assured, these people, they're scared. Well, I suppose if that is the goal, um, then that sounds like you've and, achieved it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and, and the last thing, of course, we realized is that to truly make people afraid, sometimes we got to give them some pain. Just a little bit? Just a little bit of pain. They've signed waivers. It's okay. Um, and ultimately, I'm really excited because this year we've we figured out, we, we've realized, uh, we've done some tests, and we've realized that we're seeing levels of stress higher than we ever have before and are you are you taking advantage of the adrenochrome um uh, sort of excretion um with regards to that not necessarily we don't we don't really do experiments on adrenochrome that's that's unfortunate we do have a lot stored up if uh, you'd like to utilize it over at the, at the spirit science institute oh we we have a great deal of adrenochrome by our own hands but mm -hmm. uh that's that's perhaps a discussion for another time I guess entirely. We'll, I guess we'll just have to donate it. I, it. There are a lot of needy people out there that could probably ga gain a great deal from from access to that adrenochrome. But mm -hmm. I, it's interesting that you brought up spiders, and um, is, is in terms of its uh, spiders are oftentimes considered a pest. And my right. first eureka moment this evening has to do well. My only eureka moment this evening has to do with pests, um, and specifically uh, rats. Rats. Not spiders, but rats. Yes, we, Interesting. We, we both live in Chicago, and we've almost certainly seen the signs uh, around for rat poison operations, rat control sort of um, initiatives that are being taken place across the of city course. in the alleys and what have you. And it, we don't really think much of it, but uh, if you do follow the news, uh, there's actually been something that's rather... Um, uh, disconcerting. Rather, disconcerting. Yes, that's a good word for it. A very uh, somewhat uh, um, c confusing, concerning, scary, uh, and, and, and that is terrifying. To say that Chicago health officials have announced that the latest rodenticide that the city had been using, mm -hmm. there's been some unintended side effects. Really? Yes. Um, so, uh, in a statement released by the um, Chicago uh, Health and Wellness. Um, Board. Mm -hmm. It's health, health and Safety Commission. Health and Safety Commission. Thank you. Yes. Uh, um, initially, the city had been using um, uh, Brodifacalm, uh, which is a deadly anticoagulant related to warfarin. But um, due to budgetary constraints, mm -hmm. a new cheaper rodenticide was uh, adopted. Uh, it's only known by the proprietary name Compound R. There's not a lot of information about it. Mm. Uh, it's by all accounts very new. Um, cheaper, um, I mean, apparently less get... toxic to non-rodent uh, subjects. Didn't even get time to to name it yet. Sounds like no, no. It it was very quite surprising to hear that they'd switched over to it so uh, immediately. And um, it turns out that uh, there were some issues that resulted in that. Uh, Compound R had been used for approximately the last six months. Mm -hmm. And based off of the data that was provided in this announcement, the, the, in the first three months, it uh, worked uh, roughly as before with regards to this sort of warfare and analog. Sure. But now it seems that uh, after that three-month uh, situation in which it was working properly, the rats now that have survived the, um, the, the rollout of Compound R mm -hmm. are apparently stronger smarter and according to this report more ruthless due to the chronic exposure uh to this compound fascinating 
it is really quite something. It's now how do they how do they measure ruthlessness in an animal? I haven't I haven't heard of metrics for that exactly. Well, it has to do primarily with uh, the the lengths to which a um, an animal, in this case uh, a rat, mm-hmm. will go to receive food or uh, accumulate food, gather food, um, sure. steal food, if you will. Um, so to that point, there's been a number of reports, and this has actually been matriculating through uh, normal news outlets as well, of uh, rats chewing through concrete, um, opening simple locks and latches. Um, Fascinating. And and to your question about ruthlessness, there's apparently been some evidence of, of what's being described as a rudimentary heist of grocery stores, corner stores. As a matter of fact, um, I, I know you don't check the emails I send you or perhaps even the emails for the we program. Have, I have algorithms to scan them. Well, we received an email, as a matter of fact, from an individual who is a proprietor of a corner store, a small corner store in Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. And what they sent was a story over that um, claimed, under condition of anonymity, that uh, an individual in a trench coat came to their corner store um, and placed a large selection of snacks on the counter. Um, as they went to scan do you, them, do you have a? Do you have? Do you know what those snacks were? Uh, there's no. Uh, there's no. In, 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 there's no. Ev- that's not provided sure. in this statement. Uh, but as the selection of scan, uh, snacks was placed on the counter, and they went to scan them, what they had thought was this man, in fact, collapsed onto the individual who sent this email, mm. and it real at that point they realized it was not a man at all, but in fact a pile of rats the size of a man in a trench coat. The individual apparently um, experienced such a state of panic that they passed right. out. And when they woke up, the the man, the snacks, and the individual's wallet were all missing. So so it, there are uh, talks of reverting back to the older pesticidal methods, uh, including the warfare and analog we discussed earlier, mm-hmm. but additionally dry ice, um, rodent contraceptives, and conversely wildcat aphrodisiacs. Um, to sort of in a, uh, it, it's somewhat of a of a natural response you have to increase the amount of cats to bring down the population of rats. Obviously, right. Um, Hopefully, we don't see a, a similar effect with with cats uh, stealing people's wallets and, and so on and so forth. Well, uh, it it would be um, it would be interesting to see. Certainly, mm-hmm. um, it would be. Uh, Concerning, but very interesting. Uh, but, but if I may editorialize a moment, though, I, when I hear this story, um, all I can think of is yet another example of why taking an adversarial relationship with nature, even the so-called pests, it's a doomed endeavor. It's absolutely doomed. It's the wrong way to go about it. And and perhaps now that, that these rats, these uh, piles of rats, perhaps are more conventionally intelligent, uh, maybe a dialogue can be opened finally, and some sort of compromise can be reached. It's the the adversarial sort of paradigm of pest control is never going to work. You look at it with things like uh, antibiotics and antibiotic resistance, and now you can see with regards to rats. I see. F- one should never fight nature because you're always going to lose every single time. Wow, that's a, that's a very bold stance for you to take, Rowan. Well, thank you for that story. Uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your editorialization, although it's not necessarily what our show is about, but I like to hear where you're coming from, at least. Well, it's, uh, it's science. Science can only provide us so much. Sometimes science requires a little ed- bit of editorializing to, to 
put it in perspective. That's, that's one opinion. For my Eureka, uh, my Eureka moment in science, I have chosen something that maybe some people out there who are real science fans have heard of, but uh, scientists have recently discovered a new quantum mechanical effect that could revolutionize electricity as we know it. Rowan, have you heard of this? Um, no, actually, I don't think I have. It's quite amazing. I think you're going to love it. Scientists, uh, subatomic researchers specifically at the Seoul uh, Technica University in, in South Korea, discovered a new possibly revolutionary quantum effect they have never seen before. This is the first time ever. Well, that's the beauty of quantum as, as, a, as an adjective is that, by and large, it describes things that we have not known before. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it's a good point. Very good point, Rowan. Uh, so a group at the university conducting high-energy electron experiments at the Siki Accelerator a few miles outside of the city limits seem to have inadvertently discovered a new quantum mechanical effect that they are calling, get this, pseudoconductivity. Now, this is different than semiconductivity or superconductivity? It's very different. In fact, calling it a conductivity is sort of a, mis a misnomer. That's why I guess they call it pseudoconductivity in that it's not conductivity at all. So, during these experiments, uh, they realized that the basically the particles they were getting, what they were generating from these high-energy particle experiments were, were, were more than they expected. They were getting uh, more data than they expected. They were getting more bang for their buck, so to speak, to put them in, in sort of a layman's terminology. Ooh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. They were getting more data than they expected? Right. They, 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 were, they were seeing more stuff than they expected there seemed to be stuff that was just being created from nothing well that runs contrary to quite a few um uh, physical uh laws doesn't it right but we're, we're talking about quantum mechanics here they don't, they don't they don't follow normal laws i guess that's true they follow the newer normal laws well, well speaking from personal experience when you're collecting data um on a specific uh study or mm -hmm. in any case even just at home you might be collecting data if you get more data than you're prepared for that's a nuisance you have to take that data find somewhere to put it um the amount of data the extraneous data in my household right now is taking up an absolute absurd amount of space what mm. so is there is there something to be gained from this outside of just knowledge of the phenomenon well there's knowledge of the phenomenon which is great but in, in a sense this is we are getting free energy. Uh, effectively, we can keep do we can keep doing this. The circuit will keep thinking that this electron is there, that the that the circuit is is continuing with a the sort of voltage that is that is left there. The voltage, the potential energy exists, but the electron has not, in fact, been used. It's sort of it's sort of like free energy, but but it's not free energy exactly. We are utilizing very complex quantum mechanical effects. There's no free energy it's, here. It's, it's it's less free energy, and maybe maybe it's more of gravy, gravy energy, like a little mm -hmm. bit of energy that you get on the top yeah. is extra. If you think about it, electron electron tunneling effects. We thought of those. Hey, it's an electron. It's tunneling out of a place that we we don't want it to be. That we want it to be. Some may think. This isn't going to be great for electronics when, in fact, it's probably one of the most revolutionary, uh, revolutionary pieces of knowledge, uh, tools that we have for making some of the, the greatest, uh, most complex electrical devices that we have today. And, and we expect the, the existence of pseudoconductivity to be very similar. 
Well, um, we're running a little low on time, but where is there some sort of conjecture as to what be, might be causing this effect on the subatomic level? That's a, that's a great question, and this this is going to be for all the sort of the nerds out there. But it's theorized that these electrons are transferring their charge. They're transferring their charge to the electrons that are going through the circuit in, in, in sort of a through sort of like a, a photon exchange. Uh, so they're transferring their charge to these electrons, and the electron for what they believe is a one one thousandth of a millisecond uh, becomes an electron neutrino, an uncharged particle that still has mass and momentum, but is uncharged. So very similar to an electron, but an uncharged version of it. It then almost immediately, through in mathematical entanglement effects uh, that exist in b-dimensional J-space, this electron regains its charge and becomes an electron again. The number of electrons per coulomb that undergo this effect seem to be proportional to the purity of the pseudoconductive material, and research is still being done to understand the limits of this, of this effect. But honestly, I think this is going to revolutionize electronics as we know them. I, I, th I think I have to agree. Um, I... It's just nice to have another type of conductivity in the mix, frankly. It, it truly it, is. Even on the most surface level. I'm, I'm sure physicists and uh, electrical, uh, electrical engineers are, love that there's more content to learn. I'm, and, and there certainly seems to be. Um, so we're, we're reaching about the midpoint of the show. And normally this is when I would do a mid-show meditation. But I had a, um, a meditation of my own recently. Really? I was thinking to myself... The act of meditation can only go so far when it is limited to the senses of, of, uh, of the ears and the eyes. The nose, the throat. And, uh, well, that's what I'm getting to, is that there is a form of meditation for the nose and the throat, a oh. sort of a, a poetry of the gullet, um, a liquid really? poetry, um, and it is known as wine. Did you say liquid poetry? Liquid poetry. That's what we're calling this segment. Um, it's fascinating. I, I have fallen in love with wine because it, hmm. it in, includes the aspects of science that I find interesting, microbiology, chemistry, flavor, and it combines it with... Texture, perhaps? Uh, texture, uh, mouthfeel, um, umami. All of these terms, these hmm. highly scientific terms, they come together and they form something that can only be described as poetry. But also, it's a liquid, so therefore, sure. liquid poetry. Sure, sure. In many cases, it tastes very good. It has very good effects. I can, I can see how it's sort of like a, like a poetry in a sense. Right, and and to me, there's nothing. There has been nothing more meditative these last um, this last week. Every night, I try to meditate a little bit, and the inclusion of wine in my meditation cycles, like presumably a full bottle every every end of time. Over the course of this week has been wonderful for my health. That's another beautiful thing about wine is that there are well characterized known health benefits to drinking wine. Oh, uh, yes. Rowan, what's your what's your point in all of this? My point is is that that for today's the, the inaugural liquid poetry, I have a, a very special oh, wine. Is, you're gonna keep doing this? I I, I have I, I I we'll see. Time will tell. Mm. There's just there's so much to get into, but I do I do have a very special wine I brought with me. Excellent. Excellent. Talk about. So if you. Uh, I'm I'm sorry about that, everybody. Uh, unfortunately, Rowan and I do not 
ex- they, we, we don't share a space when we do this. I, it sounds like he's he's going to drink some wine. Well, I, I what I have here is a is a, a Devon La Atrophy nineteen ninety vintage oaked aged Malbec. Okay. And what we're gonna do is, is I would like to pop this open right now and and get us let us have a, a little bit moment and I can describe to you the uh the the liquid poetry inside and and thankfully now that this is available for streaming in places uh presumably the the um the listeners could could go and they could find this at their at their um their local provisioner or perhaps their 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 local vineyard and um maybe they can find they can find this for themselves and they can try it so if you just one moment one of the things i love about wine too is there's this ritual when you open it you know you have to you get the corkscrew, you put it in, and you just, you know, there's a whole... Is it, is it working, it, Rowan? Yeah. One moment. You sound out of breath. This is good. This, is, this cork's very in here. But, um, one moment. One moment. You're, you're going to do this every show? Well, I mean, that hasn't been decided yet. I, I just want to do it once and sort of see what the response to the listener was. <laughs> Um, there we go. So once again, Devon Latrophy, nineteen ninety, vintage oak aged Malbec. So it, it certainly uh, sounds like a bottle of wine. So, if an individual were to to get this, um, they would immediately recognize the the rich, um, warm hue. It's a nice placid red. Mm. And if you just sort if of only we could see it. put that around the edge of the glass, you'll see that it has a, a pleasant surface tension. A, a nice um, laminar flow as you sort of do it around. Let's get. Let me get a. Uh... One, one I, more time. Now, should the listener have a bottle of this wine prepared for this? Well, segment? well, well. Obviously, once this goes out live, that's not going to be. That's very unlikely unless they are a true uh, vino connoisseur mm. such as myself, but. Presumably, when they come to streaming, this will be different. But this, this is right here, just two sniffs, and you can tell it's got a, a, this beautiful, astringent, buttery nose feel. Um, so let me just take a take a little quick sip. I, I can't imagine what that must be like. Is is that it swishing around in your mouth? Yes. Hmm. Well. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. And that's. That's delightful. You would expect oak characteristics from this oak-aged Malbec, but uh, but in fact, it's overpowered in a very pleasant way, mind you, by this sort of the crystalline elements of of the of the wine, very crystal heavy. Additionally, um, okay. I'm getting notes of stone fruit, ash, corn husks, and there, there's something else there. I can't. I s- truly cannot imagine what you're saying. <laughs> Excuse me. At the very end, there's a there's a small smack, this delicate little playful smack of placenta. Um, is that is that okay? It's actually one of the things you would expect from a Malbec. Um, one of the things you demand from a Malbec. I'm gonna I can't go, imagine that's true. I'm gonna go ahead and call this a seven out of ten, and um, as a pairing. I would recommend a reading from David Foster Wallace, perhaps Infinite Jest. Um, of course, I don't perhaps. think the wine bottle is going to last you through the entire reading of Infinite Jest. 
Um, mm. But with that out of the, out of the way, um, I think it's time for uh, for me to finish this glass of wine and for us to go to a short break. Sure. All right. Well, we will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. <laughs> And we are back. Welcome back. I sure hope everybody got at least a chance to experience. Mm. <sighs> Rowan, I would have expected you to be done with that wine by now. Oh, no. No, don't be silly. I just opened the bottle. Um, I still got at least a quarter of a bottle left. Mm, un- that's unfortunate. I suppose as a new media, mm. as a disruption developer at the New Media Laboratories, I do understand that this specific brand of content is is certainly very popular in certain cult circles so to speak uh, is this brand of eating and or drinking a variety of flavorful foods or beverages on a, on a on a voice on a voice program i just didn't expect it to happen on our science program well i'm 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 sorry to to uh to surprise you in such a manner but the way you put it what do you, what did what exactly are you eating and drinking these days? Uh, I try to avoid eating and drinking as much as possible as it interferes with my important work. How are you how are you sustaining yourself then? It's much easier than than it than you make it sound, Rowan. Well, I suppose that's fair because wine as I have come to learn isn't about sustaining oneself. Mm-hmm. It's about enjoying oneself and the delicious delicious flavors that are available well lucky enough we might be able to tie this in with uh, our special feature today our special feature today is uh, i'm sure everybody has heard we are in a newer normal now Uh, a lot of the things that existed in the old normal and then the subsequent new normal did not uh, it didn't last too long for a variety of reasons. There, there was certainly a, a, a adaptation period that not all individuals were were able to move through individuals right. and organizations. Right. And some may like to forget about those 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 periods of time. But the Malo Twenty One pandemic, uh, due to either loss of customers, loss of revenue, increased cost, uh, uh, many many businesses and organizations have suffered. Some of them having to close down. Many having to close down permanently. Um, so what I wanted to do during the special feature was to talk about a few organizations that have not only survived, but have flourished as a result, as a direct result of this ec- epidemic, of, of this change in, in culture, so to speak. This paradigm shift, right. as it were. Some some fall and some rise rise to the top. Well, I can speak from, from our personal experience with the um, Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science and the solutions for wellness therein. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, our solutions for wellness uh, program has has skyrocketed as individuals really? look for absolutely uh, in times of these sort of these these health issues and this concern this greater concern for wellness and taking care of oneself. Individuals are much more open minded to uh, therapies and and uh, treatments that they might otherwise not be so open to. Right. Um, on the other hand, some of our other industries that that we we participate in, some of our other works as well. Um, for example, the um, the scrying and the, um, the the channeling divisions of Simon Amy uh, and the Simon Amy Institute have not been quite so well because 
individuals don't really want to think of death in these times, and they certainly don't want to make contact with the dead um, as much either. Certainly. I imagine there's a lot more, I mean, with with such high stressful moments, uh, time periods, uh, there's certainly perhaps a lot more backstabbing that uh, one might want to not not relive uh, the the tensions that existed between two people when they both were once alive. Uh, p- plots and schemes coming to so light, to perhaps. Yes. Right. Um, so we're going to be talking about three organizations that I specifically chose for their uh, their 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 ma- the manner with which they seized on the opportunity to innovate and experiment during this newer normal, before, during, and after, um, and and that it's been quite rewarding. Just just like with you, Rowan, uh, the opportunity, people's willingness to participate in experimentation uh, has, has led these organizations... To take their health into their own hands exactly. as opposed to the, the, the institute, the, the, the wider organization, the, 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 the health... I don't want to call it a conspiracy. That's a sure. bad term for it. The, the establishment, that's right. a word. Big the health. Hierarchy. Big pharma. Big, big agra. Mm. Yes, and certainly many of these organizations. The, the first one, for big example. Big Vino. The first one, for example, uh, is, a, is it a company called Knoll Edge. Edge being, of course, uh, they're on the cutting edge, so to speak. These are, it's a very experimental organization. Uh, their brand is, you've heard of edutainment, right? Of course. They consider their brand more experimentainment. Well, we we exist in the edutainment sort of realm. Some may I, say I, that. I, yeah. Some, I, I think some people would have merit in saying that. Mm. What exactly is experimentainment, though? Well, experimentainment is, uh, there, there's a time period right now. There are times in history where people would rather enjoy themselves than than learn and unfortunately we are in a time period like that right now uh noel edge is an experimental uh education company that does this education through games in simulated virtual realities uh, truly truly bent mending the the uh, melding the desire to game and play and and, and enjoy oneself with the uh, inescapable uh, uh requirement of, of learning while one does it now i have flirted with um being somewhat of a gamer myself mm. the gamer identity i have taken it on um in various degrees over my life what sort of games are we are we talking about here is this is this a first person shooter um some sort of open world sandbox um perhaps a um pay to play mobile puzzle game mm, what are we a, what are we speaking about G? Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, really, the games come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and a lot of times these are tailored towards specific students. Obviously, a, a person is, is in their best element when it is truly their element, and it, ex- and it expresses all of the things that they love and adore and, and, and trust. Uh, what's more interesting is, is really talking about what, how this organization, how Knoll Edge is, is, uh, is taking the opportunity of, of, ch- of a child's want to game to the next level and ensuring that they're learning something without them even knowing that they're learning it sort of like eating their vegetables in their uh in their cake so so to clarify this is for the benefit of the child to learn not the individuals who made the game studying the child in their way to learn it's both that's the thing in order to truly understand how to help somebody you've gotta you've gotta take risks you gotta take out you gotta seize opportunities Mm -hmm. so uh, due to the fact that Knoll Edge 
so they've spent a lot of time discovering patterns, the most efficient ways for, for educating somebody during the course of these games. Because that's the really important part, is the patterns. What patterns best ensure that the knowledge is getting in there? And they've tested these on children, or at least they focus on children between the ages of 3 and 19. Their goal is to tap into deep mental and emotional stimulation doors, is what they call them. They've had many, many, many children uh, in these experiments. They've, they've partnered with schools, with youth organizations who've fallen on rough times because educating children is so much harder now that so much of it is virtual, right? So what they've done is they've partnered with these schools and these organizations to bring these children in. And then when they had these children in, they could do empirical and yet entertaining tests with a combination of audio, visual, and interactive cues um, and, and testing out how exposures to, to these specific fields and, and a certain number of patterns affects how they're able to learn. Well, this is, this is absolutely, um, I, I am a huge fan of this based on your description right now, because to me, there is such a swath of underutilized um, subjects mm. and data out there in our public truly, institutions. There, there if, there, if there was a concerted effort on the part of these these taxpayer not i i not, not that i pay taxes i i am myself a self-organized uh, religious church right. with regards to that but to those who do pay taxes why aren't you demanding that these public institutions ga gather data and it's for downstream purposes right. i i that's wonderful so yeah they've capitalized on uh, on these uh, these wants in society, these wa wants in the culture, and they've used that to collect data. And truly what they've been able to, I don't want to get into the, the nitty gritty of, of what they learned, because I mean, realistically, the, all, the, all that matters is that they did learn and now they're able to capitalize on it. I mean, in the some important cases, thing is that the data is there. Exactly. And that, and that even if these individuals not are, are not the ones mm -hmm. to go and, and dig into the data and use it, someone out there maybe one company, two companies, three companies from now, they will get their hands on that data and then they will be able to make breakthroughs. I mean, a really, a, a real proof of concept here was that one specific child, and this is this is something that I that I was very fascinated with, but, but they were able to, while gaming, while enjoying themselves, while just playing with their friends, they were able to teach one specific child, or in a way, you can say that unteach uh, this child, their native language in a matter of weeks. Well, I, I can. I have some personal linguistic linguistic studies friends hmm. who would love to have their hands on that child, and 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 it, it's one cannot find a wild child raised by wolves every day, and, and though that's more of an issue of desire as opposed to opportunity. But but really, to be able to, really to to be able to have a child that does not have an understanding of language presents what a, a wonderful test bed this is this is fascinating yes. it, i mean incredible julius the next company is one called sanitation acts perhaps you've heard of it as we know uh sanitation cleaning things ensuring things are clean is a very big industry it's it's, it's going to be in end times like this it's so important for all companies that want to stay available, all people that want to ensure that they have a safe home for themselves and their friends and their families. Um, focus on this this larger field of sanitation. And sterilization to take it a step further, Truly, perhaps. yes. Yes, truly. And in fact, that's probably what they would say, too. This is I think you're going to really enjoy this organization once you hear about them, Rowan. 
um, what they've realized, or what they, what we all sort of realized, is that the possibilities for combining different cleaners and disinfectants, uh, which range from a variety of, of chemical components to photoelectric components, and in some cases, spiritual components, mm. these are infinite. There's an infinite number of possibilities here, and many of them have never been tested in real-world environments. Well, I, that you would bring up the, the spiritual, that's absolutely correct. Um, we have our own very um, stringent uh, sort of um, anti-entity procedures. Mm -hmm. As one would have sort of an aseptic technique, we have an a-spirit technique when we are doing various studies. And um, w while some of my peers perhaps would not admit this, I, I, I am willing to admit it, um, sometimes some of those aspiritual techniques um, do not strike me as particularly scientific at times. Truly. Um, I, I find, for example, the actus of sm smudging, burning sage, for example, mm -hmm. that does very little to assuage and discourage entities right. as much as other individuals might claim. So uh, it's nice to see that um, in a way, industry stepping forward to try and provide a test bed for these 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 uh, procedures. Truly, and and in the past, that's just not been possible due to a variety of health regulations. I mean, fortunately, due to the increased demand for sanitation uh, and, and disinfecting uh, in society now, those uh, those uh, regulations were ultimately uh, eliminated or lessened to some extent. Which, which caused this sort of hyper-experimental hyper company, uh, Sanitation X, to, to flourish. Many think of sanitation as the, the removal of germs and bacteria. But uh, SX, uh, as, as they're sometimes called, was determined to test whether that was it. They, they, weren't, they didn't think either way. They were just testing the limits. They wanted to see what was possible right. as opposed to being put into a mindset of being told what is possible exactly very respectable and very they, respectable they weren't afraid to fail in many cases many of the locations were deemed biohazards or ultimately destroyed well as they say um one cannot make an omelet without causing a few super fun to sites exactly um but what they realized was by small small changes to the correct amounts of of, of odors and methods of applying radiation, as well as uh, a, a variety of solids, liquids, uh, aerosols, and mists, and, and a variety of, of other, you know, uh, disinfectants and, and, and cleansers, uh, they were able to, to identify many different, a large, huge number of, of very effective methods, procedures, and ceremonies for clearing out all sorts of uh, of sources of disease and pestilence, and some in as little as two hours. Well, this is this is fascinating. Um, I will make a note personally mm -hmm. to reach out to these individuals to see if they can uh, provide some sort of uh, consultation or help with some of the studies that we've been doing over at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. We have some very, very persistent um, apparitions that that have been making getting clean data from uh, one, many of our tests uh, right. difficult, very, very difficult. So if this does as um, what you are saying, uh, I'm very excited to see what they have to bring to the table. Yeah, truly. The last company I have for you is a company, one that I am, I am sort of almost surprised by. I, I, this is a truly uh, disruptive company uh, that, I, that I quite enjoy learning the, the about. The good kind of disruptive. 
I, I mean, we can discuss what good disruptive means at a later date, but uh, certainly disruptive in all the best ways, I should say. But this is a company called Bio Batteries. So, uh, at the beginning, and perhaps if you remember, if, if you're willing to put yourself in the position of the beginning of this of this pandemic, you might you might have heard the Malo Twenty One pandemic, of course. You might have been confused or dismayed by the number of ways that this that this this virus, the Malo Twenty One virus, could be transferred. Right? It could be transferred via so many ways, including some organic ways, food, uh, interpersonal uh, experiences. Uh, Love making, yes, so many, so many different ways. There, especially at the very beginning of the of the ongoing uh, pandemic, when it, so little was understood, and it, it, it sort of it put a a kibosh, if you will, on a number of of activities, just because the, their safety could not be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and truly, at, at this point, too, uh, foods with high shelf lives and high nutritional values. We're in constant demand. I mean, you couldn't go into a store without uh, w- without noticing the bare shelves in the in the prepackaged uh, prepackaged food aisles. I myself have a have a small uh, a very very small weakness for pizza rolls, and uh, I could not find pizza rolls for many months. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, at the very the outset of the Mallow Twenty One issue, right? Um, so what Bio Batteries did was i mean i don't want to get into the science behind the science behind what they uh, their their motivations for this but there were there was some conjecture that all organic foods all, all foods uh, uh from living organisms were possible transmission methods for the Jepson's fever Ve- vectors perhaps yes, yes transmission vectors for Jepson's fever so there was a lot of high demand in finding alternative food sources that did not come from organic materials at any part. And that, that, and that makes sense. You know, the, a, a virus, as we all know, is not a living entity as such. It is not, um, it does not have a soul and it cannot communicate no matter, um, or at least it refuses to communicate perhaps. Um, so it requires a amount of, of cellular material to exist and rep and, and continue to propagate itself. Um, so yeah, and on, t- on top of that, uh, too, uh, going back to the food part of it, food is a method of stored energy. It's sort of like a battery in itself, right? Food is a battery for your body. And, and, and energy is, in fact, something we can both agree exists. <laughs> that we can, Rowan. Unfortunately, food is a very inefficient battery. I'm sure you can you can agree. It goes bad very quickly in some cases. Uh, oftentimes, foods are either have too much energy in the wrong ways or not enough energy. There's there's a lot of different there's many different problems with food as an entire field. Well, I I well, I would agree with that. I think that the small that the fact that it is imperfect only makes it that much more enticing. Mm. Um not to go back to wine for example, but sometimes the small imperfections in wine such as perhaps a um, a, a pit from a grape or or um, a small smudge of mold that's really what would put some some wine over the top. So what, that's what so makes it so wonderful. With biobatteries biobatteries realized was uh, was that they could make, but they could make food better. They could make food that wasn't food, or at least hasn't been food and will never be food again. This what they what they invented, what they created, 
was uh, was had no preservatives whatsoever. Uh, it's a food that only exists. There are no preservatives. There's nothing preserving it because it never was food. It only exists as food for the brief period of time that you need to eat it. And, and how exactly does that? How does that work exactly? In 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 terms of. Um, how do you, it be, does it become food with, when it enters the mouth, when it reacts with saliva? What is the um, procedure therein? Well, there's a lot of conjecture as to when it becomes food, if it's ever truly food. There's certainly, certainly a point where it's more like food than not. Um, but the, pro the process why, by which you ingest a biobattery is you break it open. There's a variety of powders and, and, and vials of, of, of stuff well i do enjoy together, vials that you mix together and the the food that comes or, or the almost food that you have is completely edible for that 30 minute span all you have to do is consume it in that 30 minute span you put it in your mouth and what you realize is that food tastes exactly as you want it to because the last ingredient that's not included in the package is you well, I do like the sound of that, but m m to my to my my question would be, uh, and and maybe maybe or maybe you n not you have the answer to this, but what happens a after that thirty minute period? Perhaps if you ingest it at thirty one minutes or thirty two minutes or an hour later, is there is that toxic? Does there, it is it still nutritionally viable? It is not toxic. It is still nutritionally viable. It's. It's just not food. And in fact, there is some conjecture on what it becomes after that 30 minutes. If you haven't eat it, eaten it after that 30 minutes, you're not going to want to eat it. It's going to seem pretty putrid, and it's, it's, you're not, it wouldn't be healthy for you to consume. But at least during that 30-minute period, you're going to get all the nutrition that you need. Well, that's, that's really quite fascinating. Well, I'm, this is not a product for me, perhaps, or... Um, it, 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 I could see that being quite useful, for example, in a field such as yours, Kai, um, where I know that, that the time to, to find, to ingest things is so limited. And I know you have a, somewhat of an anti-food bias, perhaps. Um, I, food, is, food is very—food's just dirty. Food is dirty. You don't want to have it around a clinical setting. It's nice to just have a very, a very sanitary item— that only becomes food when you need it. And so this is this you say would be for the for the young urban professional or the um, the, uh, the 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 worker oh, I'm not in tech. Get an age on it. It can be an old urban professional, a middle aged urban professional as well. I, and truly, the, the great thing about this is that it lasts theoretically forever. It lasts as, at least as long as you do, or until the human body uh, evolves past a point where those marker proteins uh, no longer interact with the with the bio battery itself, but. Who's going to live that long? Well, um, if the research coming forth about crystals and, spoiler alert, wine uh, prove fruitful, then then perhaps— Was that a pun? Fruitful? Um, no. I do not use puns. Hey, Rowan, do we have a citizen science? We do, as a matter of fact, and I will say those were all quite— Is it quite, about wine? Um, uh, it, it is about liquid, um, but— uh, fascinating stuff, Kai. Thank you for bringing that of forward. Course. It's nice to find some measure of optimism in this this newer normal. Truly, but yes. Uh, so for the citizen science this evening, I have a um, a post here. Um, it, it it's less of a a, um, a a finding in and of itself, but more of a question that I feel has not been adequately 
uh, addressed uh, question that I think perhaps you and I can take sure. home and think about, reflect upon. A scientific question that nobody's really solved yet, maybe. No, no one's really thought about, even, oh, perhaps. Really? Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> when you heat water, why do bubbles form? We all know it is gases being created, but exactly why does the H2O turn to H's and O's? It was a liquid, now a gas. What caused that in the atomic world? Now, I myself wish that I could shrink myself down to the atomic world and go and mingle among their 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 shamans and their their mm. their wise women, and and come to a conclusion as to what is happening and where the H's and O's come from. But we can't. We and, simply and can't. Not only where they come from, but also where they go. Exactly. It, it, there's no. I don't know if there's really a good way to attach attack this question, pardon the term, Mm. with modern normal uh, procedures and and empirical thoughts. But yeah, I I mean, I personally believe I know exactly the answer to this question. Oh, really? Yes, but I mean, I never know. That's fair. That's very fair. I do have a quote that I think is very is very reminiscent of this, uh, pairs very well with this question and the questions that it brings up. I do love a good pairing. <laughs> so I'd like to close on a quote by Mills Quinta, who's a scientist and a philolopher. Ultimately, there are two possibilities. Either all that we know is correct, or all that we know is incorrect, and both are unacceptable. I'll drink to that. Eureka Cast now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with a support with the support of Tech Brothers New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are rebroadcast every Saturday evening, eight to nine p.m. CST on WLPN LP one hundred five point five FM Lumpen Radio. If you would like to get in contact with us, please follow us at Eureka Cast on Twitter. And if you engage in other forms of social media, feel free to find us at facebook.com slash awcyfm. There, there is constant updates with regards to our live shows and when our shows are uploaded to um, uh, your various podcast um, streaming networks, um, of which we are a part of practically all of them. Mm. You can find that at Eureka Cast now if all you of it's search. Been automated. It's all taken care of. Um, but once again, that's uh, facebook.com slash awcyfm. Or if you'd like, send an email to awcyfm at gmail.com where you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Um, likewise, if you'd like to be a guest on the program and speak about your expertise, perhaps your, your citizen science. Yes. Um, We'd be glad to have you. Or even anyone you know who you feel might be a wonderful guest for the program, feel free to reach out at that email, which is, of course, once again, awcyfm at gmail.com. Mm. And with that, Chicago, allow us here at Eureka Cast now to fill your satchel with grains and rough bread to feed you on your journey to the yonders. Hey, Rowan. <laughs>